Wow, what an awesome day that the Lord has made. And I'm thankful that we get the privilege to come and to rejoice and to be glad in it. Y'all okay? I mean, are you really okay? Come on now, if you say sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, come on, walking with Jesus, talking with him, come on, you ought to be okay today, amen? Huh? Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say so. Not think so. Let's say so. (laughs) The word, can you understand the words coming out of my mouth? You know, it's, you know, some people say, well, I'm just quiet, pastor. You know, I just, I just get quiet for the Lord. But you know, the Bible constantly talks about speaking God's praises, magnifying him. And we do that with our voice. We articulate that. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. And so we ought to be caught giving him praise, giving him glory. So I'm, I have so much to thank God for. Uh, Brother Jay, if, you, if you'll put this picture up on, on the screen real quick for me. Uh, this past uh, uh, Wednesday night, my daughter, Sonja, because I think yesterday was National Daughters Day or something like that. And uh, I got two beautiful, awesome daughters, uh, Miss Tanya Hamilton and Sister Sandra Adams. Uh, but the, the middle child, Sandra, was driving home uh, from a volleyball from 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 uh, from school after her team had went and played a volleyball game and, and had a wreck on on two twenty. Uh, of course, they totaled his car out. Uh, and I'm thankful every time I look at that photo that it wasn't worse than what it was. Are y'all listening to me? Uh, because you know when you start thinking about it. Uh, uh, it, it, it could have been a whole lot better. She's banged up a little sore, but, but thank God that she's alive and well and breathing. So I got, I got more than one thing to thank God for. Amen. He's a supernatural prayer hearing God. He's a God who dispatches angels to protect us when the enemy would try to take us out. Can I get a witness up in here? I need some Holy Ghost filled people to talk to me this morning. Amen. God is a good God. And he's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. So, God, let's go back. We're going back to uh, Acts, the 15th chapter. Here's where we left off. Um, We've been dealing with this topic, God's plan for his church, as we go through on Wednesday night discipleship training time, our study, building a multi-ethnic church. Uh, And as a matter of fact, let, let's go to Ephesians, the third chapter first, Ephesians, the third chapter, and we'll begin our reading at verse number six of there. Uh, but we, we know that the early church I mean, began to explode in numbers. The early church began to have significant supernatural impact. Uh, and the, the church at Antioch was instrumental in that. And that church at Antioch was a multi-ethnic led church. And the apostle Paul was very instrumental in that. And we see here when we go to Ephesians, how Paul said that the mystery of the church is being revealed, uh, in the new Testament, that which was hitting hidden and was not revealed by God in the old Testament was now re- being revealed and played out on the scene in the New Testament. And we see here Paul writes this, uh, and the text says this, and this is God's plan. Whose plan? Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news. uh, Another word for good news is what? The gospel. 
That's what the gospel means, good news. Uh, the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to whom? Because they belong to Christ Jesus. Next verse says this, uh, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. This good news, spreading this gospel. What is this good news? What is this gospel that through Christ's sacrificial death on the cross, God created for himself a new entity, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jew and Gentile together into one body. Amen. The text says this next verse, let's read. It says, though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. 9 and 10 says, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, this mysterious plan that God through creator of all things had kept secret from the beginning. So what that lets us know right here, from the beginning, this has been God's plan. This was not a newfangled thing that he just thought up at the last minute. It was a part of his divine order from the very beginning. Are you with me? He had, but he had kept it secret under the old covenant dispensation. Amen. And now it's been revealed under new tough covenant dispensation. And the apostle Paul is the primary purveyor of God's message of bringing these ethnic groups into one body. Amen. And through that unity, through that solidarity, through that living and loving and serving together, they would be a testimony to the fact that God the Father sent Jesus Christ the Son to die for us on, uh, on Calvary's Hill. Amen. There would be a living testimony and a witness to a world that's divisive and divisive that we are together as one in the body of Christ. Amen. Look at verse number 10. Let's read together, guys. Says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to do what? To display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen uh, uh, rulers and authorities in the heavenly place. Now, I asked you this question two or three weeks ago, and I got blank stares. I hope I do not get blank stares when I ask this question. I just need you to shout it out loud and on purpose, okay? When it says right here, to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places, what is he talking about unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places? Angelic beings. Y'all are smart, aren't you guys? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. The angelic being, both those who are still serving God and those fallen angels who went with the enemy, Satan, Beelzebub. This was a manifold wisdom, a display of God's wisdom. And guys, we'll see this in, in our study on this coming uh, 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 Wednesday night that Paul said that the multi-ethnic churches in Ephesus declared the manifold wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. The multi-ethnic congregations in Ephesus proclaimed to the angels and the demons that Jesus had won. Amen. God in Christ Jesus fulfilled his covenant with Abraham and gave Abraham his family, his multi-ethnic, his multi-colored, the, the, the awesome mosaic of all ethnicities coming together in one. That was proven, amen, amen, as, as, as God's plan was on display for those angelic hosts. Because again, remember, some of these angelic hosts, they listened to Satan and fell with him. And God is saying, and he's showing, guys, that 
as I told you before, he can do more with less when less is dependent upon him. Are you tracking with me today? So, so we, we left off again. Let's, let's go back uh, to, to Acts, the 15th chapter. Just, 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 wipe, just briefly, I want to uh, point out some things. We, we saw that as the church began to grow and as you, as you begin to see these different ethnicities come together uh, in the body of Christ, there was, there was uh, conflict taking place. And when that conflict became to such a point that it rose to where the leaders of the Jerusalem church got wind of it, they decided to hit it head on. They decided not to let it continue to fester because it was going to create division in the church. And guys, I've told you before uh, that as, as a body of believers and as Christians, we have to learn how to deal with stuff rather than running from stuff. Some of y'all got family secrets now, a family issues that have not been dealt with because you don't want conflict at, the, at, at Christmas time. Some of you got issues that need to be dealt with in, in, your, in your marriage and with your children, but you, you, have, you've, you fail to, to approach it because you, you, you haven't really grasped the concept of how to have a crucial conversation. You haven't grasped the concept of how to have emotion, have the relationship. Uh, you skipped the class that we taught. And even some of you took the class, got the information, but didn't do the information. How many of you know it's almost better to not know it than to know it and not do it? Because to whom much is given, guess what? Much is required. As your pastor, I'm going to make sure that you know what you're supposed to do. As a matter of fact, we're talking about God's plan for his church, but we're going to subtitle it today, walking it out. We know what his plan is, but we got to walk it out. Everybody say, walk it out, walk it out. I think there's a song they sing here. Nate, do you know anything about walking out? We got to walk it out. See, we can study this stuff. We can talk about it. But God says, I need you to walk it out. And the church council at Jerusalem, when they called this conference to deal with the issues, they did it so that the gospel message could continue to be walked out. Otherwise, division and discord would have disrupted God's plan for his church. So we got to walk it out. Everybody say walk it out. Now watch this, watch this. Um, As a matter of fact, uh, what I would tell you is, is this was important for them to do because keep in mind, uh, the, the early church, when you look at their lifestyle, they did a, 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 a whole lot of eating together and practicing hospitality. And I've shared with you guys before that it's important for us as born-again believers uh, to show and to operate in the ministry of hospitality, right? As a matter of fact, the Bible says, be careful to entertain strangers for by some you've entertained angels without even recognizing that you're entertaining angels. So hospitality is something that, this, that the early church practiced, and hospitality is something that they, uh, that they did quite frequently, and they ate meals together. Most churches met in homes, and, and, and some assemblies held a, what we call a love feast in conjunction with the Lord's Supper. As a matter of fact, go over to 1 Corinthians 11 chapter right quick. So it was, it was given that we know that the early church met in homes, we know that they ate together, right? First Corinthians, go to First Corinthians 11, chapter verse number 17. We know that they ate together. So if, if there were issues that were causing division as it relates to dietary restrictions, as it relates to some of these other things, it had to be dealt with or it was going to cause uh, uh, undue harm in the church and division was going to de- develop. That's why the church council in Antioch had to deal with these issues. 
And I would encourage you, whatever church you may be a member of, whatever family that you're a part of, don't let stuff just, as I said on last week, let sleeping dogs lie. Learn how to effectively deal with conflict in your circle of relationship that you have. Learn how to to handle things in a biblical God-honoring way. Amen? And Jesus gave us instruction on it. The Apostle Paul gives us instruction on that. But watch this because it's important for them to deal with these things uh, and, and this council came up with some solutions for the church. Amen? Look at, look at what it says here. And Apostle Paul is writing this letter right here to the church at Corinth and notice what he says. He says, but in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. He's writing to the church. He says, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. Watch this now. Can we walk it? Can we walk it out? Everybody say walk it out. Now again, guys, we're going to go to the book of Romans uh, in, in just a second also because we got to realize that, that in, in the book of Romans, Paul does a yeoman's job also in giving us doctrinal truths that we should hold on to. And then we're going to look at the last part of the book of Romans in chapters 12 through 16, where he t- teaches us how to walk it out. Guys, it's easy to talk about love, unconditional love, right? Oh, I love my child unconditionally. Oh, I love my mom unconditionally. Oh, I love my husband unconditionally. I love my wife unconditionally. We say that, and it's good, and we should do that, but what happens when we are tested and when love has to be displayed in an uncompromising, unconditional manner? I would, I would submit to you that many of us talk a good talk, but we don't walk our stuff out. We say I love everybody and I don't, I treat everybody the same and I don't, I don't, I don't deal with people based off of how they look on the outside until we have to deal with somebody that don't look like us on the outside. It's easy to say, well, you know, we're a church who welcomes all to all start coming. And then now you start feeling uneasy because all start coming. I thank God that that spirit is out of here. We teaching it out. And I'm got, I got news for you guys. If here's what will happen in any church. When the truth of the gospel is being preached, those who don't have a mind to follow it and they have a mind to allow their own proclivities and their own ways of thinking about things to take precedence of the word of God, they're going to get real uncomfortable and there's going to be a sifting. You follow me? Watch this. Let's keep moving. Watch this. For it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. Watch this. He says in verse 18, first... I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. That's Paul talking to the church at Corinth. Look at the next verse. Let's read. It says, but of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. What is he saying? If you are speaking truth and there is uh, 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 an element in the body or element in the church that is, that is, that is fighting against truth, then truth is going to rise up because error will be trying to raise his ugly head when you teach truth and then error comes along, then truth is exposed for what it is. It is truth. That, 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 that may went over your head. Watch this. When, when, whenever the truth of God's word is being preached on a regular basis, if error comes in, error will be, will be recognized. 
What, what, what are you saying, Brother Pastor? Well, so when you go and start telling some of your family members about what's happening in your church, and they, and they, and they come with some error message that's not, not lined up with Scripture, then you should be able to let what you've been taught rise up and take precedent over what they think about what's happening in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. When they, when they look at what's happening in God's plan for his church. Let's keep moving. Watch this. He says, when you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. Watch this. Next verse is what? For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. Now, let me get some context to what he's talking about here. It was common during this period of time that uh, before they uh, partook partook in the Holy Sacrament, the Lord's Supper, they would have what they called a love feast. Because, again, they did life together. They they met in homes. A lot of churches met in homes. And, And so they would have what they called a love feast prior to the taking of the Lord's Supper. So, but here's what was happening whenever the love feast thing was going on. For some of you, do what? Hurry to eat your own meal, huh? Without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. This is in the love feast prior to the Lord's Supper. And he says, some of you heard each own meal. Now, guys, what, what he's saying is there were some who were in the assembly who came for the ceremonial Lord's Supper, and, and, and they, they were lacking in, in material substance, and there were those over there who had plenty who were eating in, 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 in a state of gluttony, and they were not sharing their meals with those who were lacking. And what that tells me as a, as a born-again believer is that we have a responsibility as Christians to, to, to help meet the needs of those who may be suffering. But that wasn't the mindset of the Corinthians church here. He says, as a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. Next verse says what? What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? Look at what he says here. He says, what am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. Let's keep moving. He says what? Uh, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Next verse says what? In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you do what? As you drink it. Next verse says what? For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. That's why, guys, uh, the sacrament of baptism, which we celebrated baptism today, we'll see this in just a second, uh, and the Lord's Supper are two ordinances of the church that, that, that we should always abide by. Communion Sunday is a time uh, for us to, to, to honor and to and put in remembrance what our Christ, what our Messiah did for us out on Calvary's hill. The bread represents his broken body. The fruit of the vine represents his shed blood. The sacrificial death of the cross gave us the right and the privilege to get into the presence of the Holy God. Without the cross, we don't get a crown. Without the cross, our sins are not forgiven. So never minimize the blood of Jesus that was shed for us out on Calvary's hill. But while we are commemorating that, our hearts need to be right. If every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Next verse says what? So anyone, watch this, who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthy. Now, mind you, they had a, Lord, they had a love feast prior to 
come on, prior to the uh, ceremonial Lord's Supper. And, and that love feast was given an indication of what was in those folks' heart. How, pray tell me, can you sit over there and eat and get full and gluttonous and have people look over there and say, oh, we hungry. Let me back back up. How many of y'all ever had somebody just look at you while you were eating and you knew they wanted some of your food? How many of your husbands go out to eat and you ask your wife, do you want anything? No, uh uh-uh, I don't want anything. Are you sure you won't? You don't want anything? I'm sure, baby, I I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. Then you order what you order. And she eats more of what you order than what you order. Am I the only one that's had to deal with that? Kenny Wayne, do you have to deal with that? <laughs> Watch this. Guys, they sitting over here eating and neglecting those who were in need. And then gonna go take partake of the Lord's Supper. As if God was okay with what was happening prior to that. Look at what God, look at what God says through Apostle Paul. So anyone who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthy is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Next verse says what? Come on, let's go. That is why you should examine yourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Watch what it says. Examine yourself. What does it mean to examine yourself? Look in your heart to see if there's anything in there that's not right. And say, Lord, forgive me. God, uh, as, as a matter of fact, here's what the Bible says. And I know you don't like this, but here's, the, here's, here's what the Bible says. If you come to the altar with your sacrifice and you got out against your brother or sister, the Bible says what? Lee, get yourself up off that altar. Get up right now and go and make that thing right. And then come back and give your sacrifice. But we think we can just go and keep on sacrificing in, in, in our horizontal relationship with people is off kilt and off base. And we think our vertical relationship with God is going to be okay. So we just stay at the altar knowing that we're not right. The relationship is not right with that other person. I'm not saying that, that, it, that total reconciliation may not be, have taken place, but you should go to that person and do your part because you're being taught what to do. Many times you're dealing with people who have not been taught or don't know, but you ain't got no excuse. Let me say it again like I'm from the country. And I know this is not grammatically correct, but I want to say it for emphasis. You ain't got no excuse. Because you are hearing what the word of God says. He says, this is why, that is why some of you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. He says, for if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Look at the next verse. Watch this. It says, that is why, now here's, here's what was transpiring. They were doing this love feast thing, which was, which was given an indication of what was in their heart because they, they, you know, what you do, and we're going to see this a little later on, what you do is a, a, outwardly is an indication of what's happening on the inside. If, 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 if transformation, as, if true spiritual transformation has taken place on the inside, it will show up in outward fruit. If there is no outward fruit on the outside, you can bet your bottom dollar that true spiritual transformation has not taken place on the inside. Are you with me today? That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. That's what he said. God's judgment. And guys, I I, I have no doubt even in today's world that we live in, there are times when God 
you, you may belong to the Lord, but you keep messing up and seem like you won't listen to the preacher. You won't listen to your loved ones. You won't listen to nobody. I, 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 I'm not so sure that God's judgment don't sometimes come and take folks out of here prematurely. So you won't keep messing people up. That's why many of you are weak. And here it is right here. I don't have to wonder. What if it was happening in Corinth? It can happen today. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. Why? Because they were not properly discerning the Lord's body. They were sitting over at that love feast, just gluttoning and, 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 and ignoring people who were in need, uh, and which was an indication of what was in their heart. And because their heart wasn't right and settled with God, some of them died. That's what it says. Keep reading. Come on, I got I to move. I don't get caught. But if, if but if, if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. In what way? Being sick and dying. That's what it says, isn't it? If 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 we judge it ourselves, God won't have to come and judge it. So how do you judge it yourself? You look at your life, and say, okay, if, if the thing that I'm doing is, is right, is in line up with God's word. And if it doesn't, then I'll make a conscious decision and say, I can't do that anymore because it doesn't line up with God's word. Even though it may feel good, even though my flesh may want to do it, but I got to judge it and I can't do it because God says that's not healthy and good for me and it's against my will. So I'm going to refuse to do it even though my flesh may want to do it. Let me see the hand. How many of y'all got some stuff that your flesh want to do, but it ain't in line with God's will? I need some hands raised. I need, I need, this is confession time. How many of you got some stuff? Come on, come on, one more time. This third time for good, for, for good measure. <laughs> Guys, listen to me carefully. God says, examine yourself, judge it, and you judge it by deciding that it's not right, and you quit doing it. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Next verse says what? That's true. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being dis- disciplined. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. 33 and 34 for good measure. It says what? So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. Next verse says what? If you really are hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. This is talking about the love feast before the Lord's up, okay? I'll give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. So, so, so the early church did life together. They, they, they met in homes. And so it was important that this Jerusalem council get this thing together because how many of y'all know it's, it's very uncomfortable when you're meeting in the house or somebody's over your house, but y'all got off? Okay, come on. Can we, can we track together? How many of y'all in here have ever been to a family event and somebody at the family event and you were, 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 were off base with each other? Better yet, how many of y'all stand in the house <laughs> with some family member and y'all are off base with each other and it, it gets very uncomfortable. I don't know about y'all, but in my house, when Mary and I are not clicking on all cylinders, it is not comfortable for me. Neither for her. And how many of y'all know sometimes, uh, it, it, because we are fallible human beings, sometimes it gets uncomfortable. Hello? Guys, this council that took place in Acts 15 chapter was designed to, 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 to keep God's plan for his church moving 
throughout the, the world at that time because they wanted to make sure that the gospel that was having significant impact would not stop. Amen. If the Gentile believers had ate food that the Jewish believers considered unclean, that was going to cause division in the church. And Paul dealt clearly with that in, in Romans, the 14th chapter and the 15. We're going to look at that in a little bit later. It's, it's, it, but, but it's awesome to see, guys, that this letter expressed the loving unity of people who had once been debating with each other and defending their opposing views. But, but, but. But, but now we have a solution that is given. The legalistic Jews willingly gave up insisting that the Gentiles had to be circumcised to be saved. And the Gentiles willingly accepted a change in their eating habits. And it was a loving compromise that did not in any way affect the truth of the gospel. We learn from this, guys. Here's, here's one thing we learn from this is that problems and differences are actually opportunities for growth just as much as they are uh, uh, opportunities for believers to, uh, uh, to, to have discord and division. When we learn how to, to embrace those differences and understand them and, 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 and get a word on what's really true, then we can have a, 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 a situation where we are living in unity. Now, again, I want to, I want to, uh, if you will, let, let's go. I want to, I want to flip to Romans, the 12th chapter, and I want to talk about some things here because I think we, we, we entitled this section of this message, Walking It Out. As I said before, it's easy to say you love somebody unconditionally until you, they do something or they violate a condition that you think or they, they do something that hurts you deeply. And I'm sure all of us in here have had someone who we love to hurt us deeply. Right? Because it almost seemed like to me now, it almost seemed like to me that, that in order for somebody to really hurt you deeply, it has to be somebody who you in connect, you're in close connection with. I mean, if somebody, if, if you call me up tomorrow and say, you know what, but Pastor, uh, uh, I met this guy in California, he, and he saw you messing online, he's just been talking about you like a dog. Okay, oh, okay, well, you know, I would love to have a conversation if he really wants to reason out of the scripture. But, but that don't really bother me because I don't even know the guy in California. Huh? But now, if you come and tell me the person who you got saved, the person who you went over to their house and made sure that, 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 that the husband and wife didn't kill each other, the couple that you went and, and helped to save their marriage, the couple who you baptized their children, the couple who you poured into and counseled with, now they're the ones talking about you. That can be hurtful. Amen. Okay, can, we, can I bring it home? Your children who you birthed out of your doggone womb. Your children who you did everything for, sacrificed for. Did, you, you, you didn't buy clothes for you so you could buy clothes for them. You fed them from the time they came home to the hospital to the time they walked across that stage with their degree from, from wherever, they, wherever they graduated from. And now that very person who you've done so much for, the one who you went to bat for, amen, and, 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 and came against school administration uh, and, and because you, you, at that time you didn't see that your child wasn't all you, what you thought they were and now you're getting a glimpse of it. Now the very child who you did so much for turns against you. Talks as if you don't love them. 
have an attitude when they're around you. The child that you birth into the earth realm, that can be hurtful. Can I get a parent to say amen? amen. That, that spouse who you, who you sat with and you nurtured them and saw them through that sick period they went through and then now they're up and healthy and they decide to leave you for the chick <laughs> on the side. Everybody said that hurts. Oh, they left you for the dude. Everybody said there's some dudes on the side too. Can I get a witness? See, it's not all just the men. I say it. It's not all just men who are creeping in the midnight dew. There are some sisters who are creeping too. And sisters creep better than you dudes. Dudes are dumb when they creep. But sisters are stealth, like a stealth bomber. You wouldn't even know it. Everybody say, walk it out. Listen to me. Listen, guys, your inner just jot this down. This ain't even in the notes, but I, we'll get them out there on the, on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the on the app here soon. Okay, but just just jot this down. Your inner spiritual transformation, your inner spiritual transformation, will always show itself in outward fruit. Let me repeat that. Your inner spiritual transformation. If there has been a change on the inside, it will show up on the outside. If there is no fruit being produced on the outside, you can bet your bottom dollar spiritual transformation has not taken place on the inside. Yep, did y'all kiss it? Okay. And we'll get it out there. Amen. The Apostle Paul Go to Romans 12 chapter and, and we'll, we'll, we'll just hit on some things here. I, I think it's, it's bears worth people because again, the council in Jerusalem came together with a solution to deal with the conflict that was happening because the church was growing and because there were Jews and Gentiles and there was, we had to deal with this race issue, this ethnicity issue that, that was pervasive uh, because Jews hated Gentiles. It was racism. It was prejudice. And now, the problem with that is, is that that, that, that runs in, in, a, in a counterproductive way to God's plan for his church. If God's plan for his church is to have Jew and Gentile together in the one body, and it's very clear, we studied it, guys. We own chapter 7 of our, of our study. So we, we should know that by now. And for those who are not plugged into our study, listen, I, I would challenge you to go get the book and read it yourself and then follow along with us, amen, because here, here's what, I'm, here's what I got I to tell you. God's plan for his church is going to be fulfilled whether you participate or not. You're not going to stop God from fulfilling his plan, his, his eternal destiny. I, 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 listen, I made a decision a long time ago that I'm going to go with God. 
And if people don't like me because I go with God, love you, but I'm, I'm sticking with God. I found him to be dependable. I found him to be bread in a starving land. I found him to be water in dry places. I found him to be my doctor in the sick room. I found him to be my lawyer in the courtroom. I found him to be trustworthy. Some of y'all not so much. I'm, I'm serious. Some of y'all not so much. Because, again, I, I, love all, I love people, but I don't put my trust in people per se. Because the very person who five years ago thought you were the best thing since sliced light bread (laughs) will because of misunderstanding that they won't even come and talk about will leave you and never say another word to you. Everybody said that's not God's way. All right. So we're talking about walking it out, walking it out. Your inner spiritual transformation will always show itself in outward fruit, outward fruit. Now let's get to, let's get to this. So, Write these things, write this down, okay? The Apostle Paul, um, in, in, this, in this latter part of the book of Romans, as he customarily does, Donisha, he, he begins, to, he begins to, to give them the how-tos of the doctrinal message that he spent the first uh, 11 chapters pouring into them. Because you gotta, you got to have doctrinal foundation. That's one of the reasons why I want to do this study as we talk about the building of a multi-ethnic church because I need to get you doctrinally sound on this issue. I don't need you arguing this uh, from a societal or political issue, p- political point of view. This is biblical theology as it relates to God's plan for his church. So we got to get you grounded doctrinally first. And then like Paul, now we go into the how-tos. We got to go into how we walk this stuff out. And, and again, we see the, the Jerusalem council begin to walk out what it means to, to do life together with people who are different than you. There's some compromise that came out of it. I told you that last week, okay? All right? So, so jot this down right quick. Paul speaks of the Christian's duty to, in three areas, okay? Three areas, and we're going to unpack these three areas. We will not unpack all three of them today. I, I won't even try to fool you and fool myself into thinking that. But here's what we, the first one. The first one is uh, is this. He, Paul speaks of the Christian duty number one to God. All right, our duty to God. Number two, our duty to governmental authorities. To governmental authority. It amazes me the hypocrisy of some Christians when they read what the Bible says. And Paul was very clear about how we as, as, as citizens of any country who are under governmental authority have a responsibility and an obligation as a Christian to adhere to those government authorities. But now because it's something that you don't want, it's your personal responsibility. It's, it's your freedom. I'm going to tell you what Paul said. All right, now you got to decide whether I'm going to be biblical or am I just going to be me? I'm going to choose to be biblical. Even when choosing to be biblical can make you uncomfortable. When I go into an establishment and they have a sign on the door that says wear a face mask, do you not realize at that point in time, that's a, that's a decision that I got to make whether or not I'm going to honor what that establishment says that their, their, their rule is at that state in time? And do you not know that God is watching how I handle obeying authority? Are you following me? 
but it's my free, it's infringement. No, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm talking about you going into a place of establishment or if, if there is a governmental mandate I want to know what you as a Christian are going to do with what Romans says. How do you explain it away? Well, it was not a, it was not a law. <laughs> Guys, I told you when we started this thing that we are citizens of the kingdom. And we got to, we got to have a kingdom mindset. And, and our Christianity should not be shaped by our country of origin. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. And citizens of his kingdom operate according to his word. And what he says. All right, so, so walking it out. Paul speaks of the Christian's duty to, number one, duty to God. Number two, to governmental authorities. And number three, to other people. Those three things, okay? Paul speaks of the Christian's duty to God, to governmental authorities, and to other people. Those, those are three things we're going to unpack. We're going to get to number one today, hopefully. We're going, we're going to try to finish number one today, Hopefully. But we ain't got number time. Where you going? Where you going? You, aren't you a member here? Will you be here next week? And if you can't be here, will you, will you, will you look at it online with us as some of the members are doing right now? So we got time. But I'm going to try to unpack this first one today. Go with me to Romans, the 12th chapter. Come on. This is important for us walking it out because it's easy to say, Jew and Gentile, black and white, Hispanic and Asian in one body. But how do we begin to walk some of this stuff out? How do we deal with some of the the nuances and the proclivities that we may have to come together as one? How do we get past ourselves, our way of doing things, and let God's word determine how we're going to do things? Romans 12. Um, Let's let's look at... uh, uh, Starting at verse number one. Come on, let's go. Romans 12. Text says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all he's done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse number two says what? Don't copy the behavior. Y'all know this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Guys, God is trying to change the way we think. Many of us still are thinking based on our cultural upbringing. Many of us are still thinking based off of our family of origin upbringing. Many of us still think about stuff based off the way our sorority, our fraternity thought about the thing. But God is saying he wants to change us and he changes it. He changes our behavior by changing the way we think. He transforms us into a new person by changing the way we think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. Now, now, now listen, listen, listen to me real carefully. And again, in this section, this chapter 12, Paul begins to tell us how to behave, how to walk it out. In these last five chapters of the book, he tells us how to walk it out, how to put what we've learned into practice. Okay? Now, now when, we, when we look at this, guys, we're talking about 
uh, I, I shared with you that th those three things that we, that we look at here is Paul is going to speak about our Christian duties to God, to government authorities, and to other people. Um, in order to be effective as a witness uh, for Jesus Christ, how many of y'all know that we got to be dedicated? We got to be dedicated. We got to be dedicated. We got to be dedicated. If, if we're going to be an effective witness, if we're going to be a part of his plan for, for the church to, to abide in unity, to be a mosaic picture, a colorful mosaic picture of how, how, how Christ, amen, uh, uh, is, 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 is bringing unity to this world, we got to have people dedicated. Now, a lot of people have different definitions of what dedication means when it means to be dedicated to something. Take, for instance, some church members, some church members, everybody say, Pastor said members. Some church members believe that if they show up on Sundays and pay their, quote, church dues, then they are a dedicated member. I came to church and I gave God a tip. How many of y'all are still tipping God? In other words, you give him what you want. And when you look at scripture, Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek in order and, and to honor God for giving the nation victory in battle. The tithe is simply the minimum of our giving and grace giving should be the order of the day if you really want to get technical with it. But how many of you are still just tipping God, giving him what you want? But I'm dedicated, Pastor. I'm here every Sunday. And that's your definition of dedication. There, there, guys, I, here's the God honest truth. I've ran into members in, in different places and didn't know that they were members. And we're not that large of a church to the point to where I should know, at least know your name and know your face. If you come often enough at, at a, at a what, what are we, about a 425-member church? If you come often enough, um, uh, I should know who you are. And if you interface with me. Now, if you're one of those Christians who come, you, you worship, you pray, and you speak right at the door, I may not know you. But I will know you if you're a part of the discipleship training because that means you're a part of a small group. And those small group leaders will get to know you and as I commune with small group leaders and, and others, then, then we'll have some kind of relationship, don't you think? But I've ran into members who I, I honestly didn't, I couldn't even remember their name because their, 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 their connectivity is so uh, disconnected that I didn't even know who they were. They, they came and they joined, but they never connected. And maybe that's some of our fault. Amen. I'll, we'll take some blame for that. But, but, but what I've discovered a lot of time is people only want to, only want to connect so far. They don't want to be so dedicated. And some of y'all sitting at me right now looking at me. And you know I've been, again, y'all know me. If you, if you haven't known me by now, hopefully you know me now. I'm going to speak the truth. Uh, some of you sitting there right now have been membership, however long you've been membership, but have never plugged into the discipleship training to become a disciple of Christ. Because your level of dedication is such that I don't really want to become a disciple, Pastor. I want to be saved and I want to have a place to go to church, but I don't want to really learn to the point to where I got to study. I have to read. Do you not realize, guys, that, 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 that as a person who is growing, 
You should always be a lifelong learner. Don't sit there and watch mind-numbing reality television shows all the day long. Give yourself some time to God's Word where you can learn about what God has for your life. And quit surfing social media hours upon hours. And then come and tell God and tell your pastor, well, I just don't have time. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got time. Because all of us got the same 24 hours a day. It's how we choose to use it. I got to keep moving. So, so some, 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 some believe that, they, that if they show up on Sundays, they're dedicated. Some men believe that if they go to work, bring their paycheck home to mama, then they are a dedicated family man. Never mind that you got two side chicks on the side. Never mind that you never spend any time with your kids. Never mind that you're not the spiritual leader of your home, but you bring the bacon home. That's not true dedication. People have different definitions. Some workers believe that if they just show up regularly and occupy space on the job, then they are a dedicated employee. But Pastor, I ain't missed a day in 10 years. Well, how much do you work when you get there? <laughs> See, people have different definitions of dedication. <clears throat> Some people believe that <clears throat> if they only eat one pint of ice cream before going to bed instead of two, <laughs> that, they got a, that they got a dedicated weight loss program. <laughs> See, different definitions of dedication. But as Paul described it in these first two verses of this 12th chapter, Christian dedication involves three steps. I'll give you these three steps and we go into the house. Three steps. Number one, you give your body to God. You give your body to God. That's the first thing. Everybody say, I have to give my body to God. Go to 1 Corinthians the 6th chapter, verses 19 through 20. See, guys, before we trusted Christ, we used our body for sinful pleasures and sinful purposes. Am I right? I said, am I right? I said, am I right? Before you were saved, you were doing everything that you were big enough to do because you figure, after all, I'm grown. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I don't need a pastor telling Pastor, how are you going to tell me what to do? Baby, I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to tell you what God says. So it's not me telling you, it's God telling you. But all of us, if we're honest about it, have done things with this body, even after we were saved, that it's not indicative of our, our walk with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 16, 6, 6 chapter, verse 19 and 20. Y'all there? So the first thing is, he described... Is you give your body to God. Text says this, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Now, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. He's talking to a church that was struggling with sexual sin amongst a whole lot of other stuff. But he's telling them, he says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given 
to you by God, you do not belong to yourself. Next verse, let's read it. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your bodies and your spirit, which belong to him. So in other words, what are you saying, Pastor? Well, my age is irrelevant. As a Christian, I don't get to choose to do whatever I want to do with my body. Because God gives me a blueprint. The Corinthian church had a lot of, I don't don't have time to unpack all of what was happening in that church, but you you know the guy that was in the church that had an incestual relationship with his stepmom. He was was having sexual relations with his father's wife. And apparently that man was very prominent because the church didn't say anything to him. And guys, let, let me say this real clearly. I don't care if you are a gabillionaire. And if you are walking a certain way that's not in line with God's word as, as your fellow brother in, brother in Christ, I'm going to come to you and talk to you about that. And, and, and as your pastor, we're going to come and talk about it and deal with it. Do you not know in some ministries, if a person is wealthy and, 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 and gives a great portion of the budget, they're scared to say something to him because he's going to withdraw his financial support. I told y'all, doggone it, I told you. That I, I am not depending on you. I'm depending on God. And if God told me to do a thing and to pastor a church and say a word, I'm going to pastor a church and say a word. And if somebody leaves, oh, it, it, it tickles me. There, there have been people who, who, who decide they were mad at me, so they stopped giving. I'm like, <laughs> When we do our financial meeting, I'm just going to show you the, the, the income trend. You, the more you stop giving, the more the Lord was blessing. I'm like, how foolish can you be? You're going to hurt me because you're mad at me by not giving. And I'm like, that is so thrown off. I feel sorry if that's the way you think. But we're going to do it God's way. So it doesn't matter who you are. The word of God fits all of us, me included. But guys, for God brought you with a high price. So, so number one, you know, if we, we, we dedicate and we show true dedication by, uh, number one, uh, giving our bodies to God. Just as Jesus had to take upon himself a body in order to accomplish God's will on earth, so we must yield our bodies to Christ that he might continue God's work through him, that he might continue his plan for his church through us. He's going to use us, the church, to reach the world. And we got to be on one point. We got to be together. We got to know that it's God's will, that we don't judge people and we don't make determination about people based off of their ethnicity. But we're going to love everybody. Second thing, if we're going to walk it out, if I say walk it out, you give him your mind. If I say give him your mind, listen to me carefully. The world wants to control your mind, but God wants to transform your mind. This word transform has a root meaning that is equivalent to our English word metamorphosis. Okay? And a metamorphosis describes a change from within. 
See, any lasting spiritual transformation, brother O, starts from the inside and works itself to the outside. Many of us have tried to transform by starting on the outside. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I ain't going to do it no more. You keep talking to yourself. Nah, it's, it's okay to talk to yourself, okay? Uh, but but, but, but tr- true transformation has to start on the inside, not just you willing it to, uh, away by your, your outside action. If, if true transformation takes place on the inside, then it's going to flow to the outside. Amen. If I truly love you, then there's certain things I'm not going to do to you. How can a man tell a woman I love you then beat her? That's asinine. Domestic violence during the pandemic was at an all-time high. How, how are you going to love somebody and then hurt them physically like that? that that's not love. See, transformation on the inside will result. Amen. True spiritual transformation starts on the inside. So you got to give them your mind. Everybody say my mind. God transforms our minds and makes us spiritually minded by using his word. Go to Ephesians 4 with me right here. Ephesians 4, 17. Come on, come on. As you spend time meditating on God's word, memorizing it and making it a part of your inner man, God will gradually make your mind more spiritual. Here's the problem that we have in the church today. I'm, I'm, I'm identified, I got to say it. There are too many of us in the church who are not allowing God to change the way we think with his word. Now, all of us, if we're honest about it, will admit that we're guilty of not spending the appropriate time with God in time of meditation and time of prayer. It will not happen just by coming and sitting here on Sunday. Are you with me? Look at what he says here. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they were hopelessly confused. Now, he's talking to Gentiles. But when he says Gentiles here, what he's talking about is those who, who have not received Christ as their Lord and Savior. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Text says this next verse. Uh, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. If you got somebody in the church and that you're in relationship with and they're, and they're living like this, you have a responsibility when you're in relationship with them to go and talk to that person. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Look at what he says here. Next verse. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, text says what? Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. 23 and 24. Instead, let the Spirit do what? Watch this. Let the Spirit do what? Renew your thoughts and your attitudes. 24 says what? Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So number one, we give God your body. Number two, you give him your mind. Everybody say your mind. And number three, you got to give him your will. Go back to Romans Chapter 12. And look at the we're gonna look at the B part of verse number two. We got talking about walking it out. If we're gonna walk this thing out, we got to recognize that it takes dedication. And Christian dedication involves three steps. You gotta give God your body. You gotta give God your mind. And you gotta give God your will. Notice I said you gotta give him your will. That's the one thing 
that God will not touch. You have to give it. It's your will. He made all of us free moral agents. And so we have to choose to give our will, to submit, let me put it this way, submit our will to his will as it relates to the plan for his church. Because when we submit our will to his will, we begin to walk out his plan in our daily life and in the life of this church and in the life of this ministry. Guys, I'm here to tell you, I, 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 was, I had, um, we had a little text conversation going with a couple, a couple of brothers uh, on, on Friday, and, and, and we were just talking about some things. And I, cause I, I like to hear what people think. I, I like to hear, because I ain't the only one that's got wisdom and knowledge. Are you with me? So I, I, I just I threw a question out there just to kind of hear, get, to pull some wisdom. And, and, and it was really blessed by the conversation. And guys, one of the, one of the things that, 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 that I said is that when it comes to uh, how we approach problems in the church and in our community, we have to make sure that it is our approach to that problem is grounded in Scripture. And that we got to stop always looking at why something is not or why we can't and start talking about why we can. I I, got to close out on this, but but you got to give him your will. Watch this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you to a new person. If I change the way you think, then you will know God's will for you, which is good and and pleasing and perfect. When you give your will to him, when you submit your will to his, then that means that you are, you, you are available to allow God's plan to be walked out in your life. I, I was talking to, y'all know his brother, Kenny Richard is, is replacing some of his broken concrete that we have uh, on our parking lot. So, so we, 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 we're taking up some of that stuff and, and, and putting down some new. Because uh, I got, how many of you know, if, if you're not careful, you can, you can look at something and get used to it. Well, that's just, that's just a pothole. Let's just go around it. How many of you got stuff at your house you've been talking about you're going to fix for the last five years? And you got used to it. That knob or something that's off now, you got some wire pliers sitting by the sink. And you use wire pliers to open in the cabinet door rather than going down to the Home Depot and get a $5 knob and changing the doggone thing, you've gotten used to it. So we don't want to get used to seeing broken concrete. So we change. But I, I, I just want to say this. This brother, um, and this has been his testimony, this brother from down south Louisiana with limited education started off driving a concrete truck. Do y'all hear me? And if you had to look at it from the outside, you would have said, well, should he do what he's saying that God told him to do? Should he leave his job and start his own company in the wintertime? Ain't a concrete man, though. Wintertime ain't a good time to start a concrete business because of the weather your, your, your opportunities for, for income, revenue generation may be limited. But he, he started, when God gave him a word, it didn't make sense, but it made faith. 
stepped out, started out with just doing concrete, then started out with building erections, and then got to the point where they're doing a whole, they can do all of it. He doesn't have a degree from Louisiana Tech, but he makes more money than I do. Hello, somebody. Faith that moves mountains. Faith that can transform a perverse generation. God has called upon this church to be a beacon of faith, to be a people of faith who will do his will and walk out his plan. That brother blessed me every time I talked to him. As he's sharing with me what God is doing through his company. Built that nice storage building that we got over there. I just called him and said, man, can you make it happen? He made it happen. Replaces, make it happen. See, how how much limit are you putting on God? With your little pea brain. God has called us. Guys, I don't know. I told his brothers on this story. I said, I sense a supernatural manifestation of the power of God that's going to flow through this body that it will be undeniable even to the most starkest skeptics. Is there such a word as a skeptic? <laughs> what God is going to do is going to blow folks' mind. It's already blowing people's mind. Why? How is that? What's going on? Why? What? And all I'm saying is, we're going to walk it out. It's by faith that we please God. And without it, we can't please him. So three things. And we'll put these out on, check, we'll get it out on the app, okay? These three things. If if we're going to be dedicated, we got the first of all, we said, what's the first step? Give him your body. Give him what? That's, that's a big one, guys. You got to give me your mind because you've been thinking a certain way and you've been reading stuff. Stop reading all this junk without having a, 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 an understanding of where, 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 where the source is coming from. Stay with your word. If, if it goes against the Bible, I don't care who wrote it. I don't care what famous person said it. If it doesn't line up with God's plan for his church and for your life, you dismiss it. Give him your body, give him your mind, and give him your will. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.